BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Today's episode is so freaking educational and informative for, yes, parents, but honestly, everyone. I get a lot of messages from you all being like, I don't have kids yet, or I'm nowhere near having children, but I find all of this information so helpful for the future for when I eventually have kids. And I love that you guys even care about this that early on. And this one is just one of those episodes that I think is going to help so many people. Today, we are joined by Dr. Elisa Pressman, who is a developmental psychologist with over 15 years of experience working with families and children. She's the co-founder of Seedlings Group and the Mount Sinai Parenting Center, which is a team of child development educators and psychologists that help parents navigate the many challenges of Raising a Happy and Healthy Child. She also began the Raising Good Humans podcast to bring the latest research on child development directly to parents, which is another Dear Media show. I love her so much. This was my first time meeting her, and I will now have her on speed dial to pick her brain about all things parenting. She not only made me feel more like confident in my decisions and my styling, but also just calm around the whole thing. Like it's really not that detrimental, like one move you make isn't going to ruin anything. And I think she just has such a calming presence, especially in a field that has so much jargon and information thrown at us that can feel very overwhelming. She feels the opposite and I love her. And she's now on my list of LA friends. So I hope you guys love this one as much as I did. My listeners are going to be really excited for this episode because I talk a lot about parenting techniques with no degree of anything. (laughs) And I always say that. I'm like, guys, take it for what it's worth. This is just what I do. And I've never read a book. I just kind of go with my gut. But I'd like to think I'm doing a good job. So I'm very excited to have you. My first question is, what initially drew you to this field because you started before you were a parent? I know. It's so weird. I probably like anyone who goes into particularly developmental psychology, you you have to have been really curious about how things shake out after your childhood. <laughs> I, I have a sneaking suspicion. I have not done a study on this. But if you did an interview with people whose whole purpose in life is to understand how we come to be who we are starting at you know, the earliest ages and in utero even, then I feel like if you interviewed them about what their childhood was like, they had interesting characters. Certainly there was some flavor. And then I was doing, I was actually doing volunteer work with kids and someone there told me that there was something called drama therapy, which is a thing. And so I was in New York City and I went to NYU to talk to the head of the department and it was in the middle of the year and he was like, you can't, <laughs> you can't just start a program. It starts in September, but you can take these courses that are sort of fundamentals in this field of psychology in general. And then you'll have some in your back pocket before the program starts. So I took all the, you know, I took like clinical psych and counseling psychology mm-hmm. and organizational psychology and developmental. And it was like speed dating for me. It was so fascinating. And I heard the professor talking about monkeys moving closer to the wire that was representing their mother when it had like soft, fuzzy, warm blanket like mm-hmm. material on it versus the one that had a bottle. 
because it was the first study that was showing, it's a very famous study, but it was showing that these monkeys were more in need of nurturing than food. Wow. And I was just like, what? And I then, believe it. Yeah, I just got really sucked into it. Do you feel like your work and knowledge completely shifted when you actually became a mother? Because I think there's one way, obviously not speaking for you, but personally, even just little things where I was like, oh, I would never do that. And then I'm a mom, I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking doing it. Like I'm doing anything to survive some days. Yes. Do you feel like there was a turning point with your work that when you became a mom, you almost reflected back and be like, wow, I think very differently about certain things. Yeah, I I for sure moved out of academia because of parenting. Because I was like, wait a second. There's a whole world out there of people who are hearing information that feels either too complicated and judgmental and tricky, or it's not based in science, but they're getting information that they think is super important for their kids' health and development. I don't know. It it shifted my parenting. I mean, it shifted my work and shifted my parenting, but I'm not sure. I think it more changed what kind what I did with my work. Mm-hmm. So I was going in a direction of doing policy and changing our, you know, I wanted to change Medical Leave Act and all that stuff. And then I sort of started to notice there were places that I could probably touch that were a little bit more realistic for having the lifestyle that I wanted to have with my kids and working with physicians and healthcare systems and my and families, mom groups directly were was really awesome. <laughs> I think I I also noticed I don't worry as much as other people. That kind of shifted because there's a real range that's okay. <laughs> so I actually don't worry as much. And I think I notice what's unrealistic about recommendations, like best practices and mm-hmm. quotes. I kind of am like, mm-hmm. Right. It's like the World Health Organization like recommends we breastfeed up to two. Like, right. Ha- in how? And con- I get it. Some right. people can, but like- Context is super important. Not the reality for so many of us. Yeah. And I feel that way too about like some of the parenting stuff I see, which is why I honestly didn't read any books when I was pregnant. I just like steered clear because at the end of the day, A, like I do think naturally through evolution, like we're built to do this. Yes. And sometimes the noise can just cause overwhelm. Yes. And I also think a lot of, especially pregnancy stuff, like I don't know if you know who Emily Oster is, but of she course. does a lot of work around this. Yeah. Of like, a lot of that is built in fear-mongering and outdated research. So I'm like, I'm going to eat my freaking Italian hoagie. If you're really worried about me getting a cola, you should tell me not to eat romaine lettuce. Right, But you're not telling me that. So I just kind of steered clear of the overwhelming information because I think it's so easy to go down this path of research and research and research. And inevitably it ends up causing you to feel like you're not doing a good enough job or you screwed something up. And like, I even notice this with social, if I'm sharing something just candidly, like, oh, we're watching Moana tonight. People are like, oh, you let your child have screen time. Right. Like, what are your rules? I'm like, I don't have rules. I don't know. We live in a technological world. Like I'm not, it's not sitting in front of a TV watching it all day long, but you better believe we're going to watch Moana. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a fan favorite over in our house. So I agree. I just think that some of the research, whether it's meant to or not, can cause so much overwhelming emotion, especially for first-time moms. It's, I think what happens is, first of all, research read out of context is disastrous yeah. sometimes because attachment research is gets mucked up all the time and makes moms in particular, but parents in general, so stressed out and crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it is, making sure that when you do care about something, you understand what the source is and where the research was done and on whom it was done. So like it may have nothing to do with you. A recommendation might have to do with a population that isn't even remotely close to the life you lead or the cultural background that you have. Mm -hmm. So what we know is like for this group of people who live exactly in this place with exactly this background, these things are true. And somehow that will turn into every parent needs to do X. 
And so that also is a real bummer about misunderstanding research. And on that note, I think that whether it's research or whatever recommendations, like it's also bio-individualized and every kid is going to be so different. Every parenting is going to be so different. The way you parent one child, I was talking about this with my mom, like she remembers vividly realizing I have to parent my kids differently. Yes. Which I obviously haven't experienced because I only have one. But for instance, my child is very verbal and my sister parents her child very differently because he's very physical. Yes. And I'm focusing on certain things and she's focusing on other things and we communicate separately because it's the same thing isn't going to work for those two toddlers. But do you have advice that you feel you wish every first time parent knew? Yeah, I think along those lines, I mean, there are like four things in research that are true across the board for everybody. And that's about it. And so I would want to impart that. And then I would say parenting is not a religion. And so Mm -hmm. if anybody is promoting it that way, it's probably, you know, something is amiss. And I really think that temperament is undervalued. And what you're talking about is temperament. And it is the way, like, how we come out into the world, how we respond physiologically to the environment looks different depending on our temperament. So there's one doctor who I think created such a beautiful way of looking at it when he did his research. His name is Dr. Thomas Boise. And he talks about the orchid and the dandelion. Mm. And he looked at, because he was asking the question, like, why do some kids thrive and some kids struggle when given the same environment or the same challenges? And he did studies that weren't just, you know, looking at the kinds of challenges that might you, you might encounter in, you know, war-torn lands. But he looked at just blowing cold air on certain kids or changing the challenge of a puzzle. So all sorts of things that were in the environment, in the activities that they were doing, in the stress of a parent leaving a room, all sorts of things, and found that there are some kids who are like orchids. And by the way, this maps to temperament research from before, but this was done with not just the social science, but also looking at biology and found that the orchid babies basically are more sensitive. And so if they're not given the more thought out sunlight, water, and soil, they don't, what happens with an orchid? Like it either blooms magnificently Mm -hmm. or it just doesn't thrive. And those are known as orchid kids or highly sensitive people. That's a term that people hear more than orchid. And dandelions are just like it sounds. They kind of will grow no matter what, as long as they get some sunlight, water, and soil. And then researchers after that looked at the tulip kids. And those are sort of somewhere in between. And temperament is wild because if you have a kid, so this weekend I was at this volleyball tournament and there was a mom there who brought her three-month-old baby. And this baby was a dandelion. Like she could handle the fact that she didn't sleep the entire time. There was so much noise, I could barely function. It was the noisiest, largest group of people I've ever, I've never seen anything like it. And, you know, people were coming up to this baby and touching this baby and being very loud and startling. This baby didn't care. And I noticed how many people said to this mom, that's because you're bringing her here. Like, you're such a good mom because you're exposing this baby to so much. Look, she can handle anything. And I was thinking, I did not say this out loud, but I was thinking, wait till another, this same mom could bring another baby here that is not a dandelion whose biological systems don't respond with ease when given all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And they will be in hysterics and dysregulated or completely still and startled. And that is not because of parenting. That is because of our temperament. And you come into the world with it and you have to parent that kid, that flower. Because it's all nature versus nurture, right? Like in a sense, like that's the nature aspect. That's the nature aspect. And you can influence it so that because like an orchid, you plant the seed and it could kind of not bloom or it could be this wild blossomed flower 
that's the same seed that that's the nature part, how mm -hmm. you care for it is going to impact how it blossoms. So it's both. I'm a bit of the highly sensitive, like I get very overstimulated, but that's more honestly with like my older age is it's been interesting <laughs> to observe, honestly, but I get intensely overstimulated and like very easily frustrated and angered and riled when there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting to me to observe how different children can react to different things. And again, I don't have multiple children yet, but when I think about even my son and my nephew, like they could you be in the same exactly. situation. I could do something to my son's toys that like my nephew wouldn't, literally would not think twice about. And my son would be in like panic and freak out. And it's so interesting because I also think it plays into the way that we compare as parents. Yes. And this is a conversation I've had with my sister a lot. And we're so blessed that the two of us never compare parenting styles. We never compare children. That is it's just, it's, And they're four months apart. So there could be much room for that. But we just have a lot of respect for each other and the way we navigate the situations. And I feel so grateful for that. But I realize that not everyone has that, even with people they don't know, even with people on social yeah. media, there's so much comparison. And so I think much. it's so important to A, remember that we're all parenting different kids, but to B, like hold back on the judgment. Back to what you were saying, what, are the, what were those four things that you were gonna say? You said oh. that there were four pieces of advice. <laughs> I'm like, I know. So You'll four figure things, it out. let me switch off <laughs> topics. Cliffhanger. Okay. I was like, do not forget, Cameron, do not forget. So, so many things are not important, mm -hmm. are noise. So many things are like noise that might make you feel better, so you do it, fine. Like if you want to really focus on one thing, like how you potty trained, Godspeed. Oh God, can I ask you about that? You next? absolutely can. And so, and I could tell you like, I could ask you questions about your temperament and mm -hmm. your child's temperament, and we could figure out what you believe in and what your values are and how you want to potty train. Perfect. And it will be different for different people. Fine. But these four things really matter. The first is your level, like your capacity to be sensitive to your child, just that sensitive care and sensitivity of care can mean something that is different, again, based on what your child's personality is. So mm -hmm. some children are in a room and it's very noisy and a parent is like, I can feel that they're tightening up. I can feel that they're withdrawing. They, they need a little bit more support right now. They might need to walk out of this room and I need to take a few breaths just so that my body, my nervous system mm -hmm. helps calm them. We do deep breaths. That's we all. have this, like the breathing ball. Mm -hmm. And so we like practice it. So that when he gets really worked up, I'm like, are you frustrated? He goes, yeah. I go, what do we do? Deep breaths. Deep breaths and we do them good. together. We all have to do deep breaths. I have to do them all the time. Mm -hmm. I wish I learned that earlier. So, and that's a really early, like a great thing for any kid. So here's the thing. Every kid, every kid and adult needs to practice their self-regulation. Mm -hmm. But some kids need more practice. And so the sensitivity of care allows you to see what your child needs. And alongside that, you need clear limits and appropriate boundaries. If you do one and not the other, and you know, like, I am really good at being sensitive. I'm not so comfortable with setting limits. Don't worry about the sensitivity of care. You've got that. Focus on being comfortable setting consistent limits. And that is much more about I, the mom, need to get comfortable figuring out how I can move through this experience of setting a limit while I know it's making my child uncomfortable. Because sensitivity of care doesn't mean that you can't be uncomfortable. It's recognizing that we can stretch our kids. We just don't want them to break. Mm -hmm. But the stretching is critical. So a lot of that limit setting is about I have to live through looking at those cute little eyes that well up because I'm not giving them another cookie. It's simple as that. Or because I decided that they couldn't play with a knife. And then this, the third thing is repair. Repair is a part of all relationships because there are always going to be small little ruptures. And that is how we build strength. That's how muscles strengthen. That's mm -hmm. how relationships strengthen. And so making sure that when there are ruptures, you repair 
is how you make sure that that connection grows and grows and grows. And more importantly, your child learns that a moment of misstep is not catastrophic. So like if you didn't ever fight at home and you never saw mistakes happening or you never saw your parent mess up, frankly, you would grow up, get in a relationship, somebody would be frustrated with you, snap at you even, and you might just think, I guess this is it. Mm -hmm. This is over because you've never seen that relationships can have deep love and foundations and stability and just moments where your dance is messy. Like when people talk about this is particular pressure for moms, but all parents, when they talk about the dance between the dyad, the mother-child dyad, it pains me because dance implies something graceful. It's very messy. <laughs> and so you have to think of it as like beginner dance where you're like stepping on each other a little bit, but then you're like, oh, sorry. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. let me try like, it this oh, way. Was that your toe? My yeah, bad. Like exactly. my husband and I in our wedding dance practice. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And if you had just thought, I guess if we're not going to do this smoothly and beautifully like Fred and Ginger, forget it. So that's the third thing. And then the fourth thing is self-compassion. Like we absolutely know that if parent self-compassion, which is sort of in the category of mental health, mm -hmm. is off, then there is no capacity to mess up and do the things that you need to do to make repairs and to move along and forgive. And once you have that, you know, you kind of have parenting down. You can do anything because all the other decisions that you're going to make can be with that lens. Like, what are my core values? What, what, you know, what is my North Star? What do I want my kid to say, you know, in 20 years, how do I want them to describe our household or what I was like and what was important to me? All of those things can be done through the lens of knowing that you loved your child and they felt loved for who they are, not mm -hmm. for their accomplishments, and that you were able to set limits and boundaries. So like we are not the same person. We're not, you know, you are you, I am me, and I love you, and that there's going to be repairs. There's going to be mistakes, Today's episode is sponsored by AG1, a brand you know I am obsessed with. I take AG1 every single morning. You want to know the best way to start your day? By prioritizing your health. For me, that is what my morning routine is all about. And sure, I'm talking mental health, which is why I meditate and I journal, but also physical health. My mornings, as you know, are my vital me time that set the tone for the rest of the day and put me in the right headspace to take on my day. One of the main players in that routine is AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I heard about it in a podcast ad just like this and was super interested in making my health a priority. I didn't feel like I was getting in enough nutrients with my diet at that time, so I was super interested in the supplement, but then I became hooked when I learned AG1 is way more than greens. I take AG1 in the morning immediately after I meditate and while I write down my morning thoughts before I spend time cuddling with Charlie, work out, and then eventually wake up our son, and it makes me feel like I am prioritizing my health and doing something good for my body first thing in the morning. As always, if you are pregnant like me, I recommend consulting with your medical professional prior to taking AG1 as this is a personal experience for everyone. But if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com FFF. That's drinkag1.com slash FFF to check it out. One thing I feel we can all agree on is that summer is a busy time. For me, it is filled with exciting plans and all the things I love most, but it's also jam-packed with just everyday things and excursions and events, and it does not leave much room for my necessary me time. While summer is absolutely my favorite season, it 
also leaves me feeling like the most burnt out by the end of it, which is definitely a double-edged sword. Something that I think we all struggle with finding the time during this season is prioritizing our health, both mental and physical. It is so easy to say yes to everything, get swept up in plans, and later realize you've put yourself on the back burner. That is why I love Aloe Moves. It allows me to keep up with my summer schedule while still prioritizing my physical and mental health through exercise. Aloe Moves is a streaming on-demand wellness platform that features yoga practices, fitness routines, meditation sessions, and so much more from one of my favorite brands, Aloe Yoga. They truly have something for everyone, from beginner to advanced, yoga to bar, Pilates, cardio, and HIIT classes. They even have relaxing guided meditations and breath work. The best part is you need little to no equipment. And whether you are more of an entry-level beginner or advanced, they have over 3,000 classes to choose from with over 100 new classes added every month. As you can imagine, my favorite part about Alum Moves, especially during the summer, is that they are all on demand, so it can just fit into my schedule. I don't have to worry about like whether there is a class being offered at the exact time when I have 15 to 20 minutes to give. This summer, make time for your wellness goals with Aloe Moves. For a limited time, Aloe Moves is offering my listeners a free 30-day trial plus, get this, 50% off an annual membership. But you can only get it by going to alomoves.com and use code FFF in all caps. That's alomoves.com and all caps code FFF to get a free 30-day trial plus 50% off an annual membership. alomoves.com code FFF all caps. Hi, I'm Claire. And I'm Erica. We're the hosts of A Thing or Two. We are professional enthusiasts constantly on the hunt for the products, books, and trends that should be on your radar. And we share them with you every Monday, whether it's marinated olive oil we're putting on everything, a deep dive on pillows, or the fact that suddenly gas stoves are on everyone's outlist for 2023. We challenge the friends we invite on the show to bring their own favorite thingies too. Like when Ellen Van Dusen spilled about the IG account that's keeping her current with the youths. We also love a gift guide. We take listener questions, Dear Abby style, and tell you what to get your vegan minimalist coworker or your sister-in-law who loves to hunt. So be sure to listen and follow a thing or two with Claire and Erica wherever you listen to podcasts. So I love all of that and I think it's such helpful information. But one thing that you said really just stuck out to me of making sure our children know that we love them for them and not their accomplishments because I have always felt very loved by my parents, always. But there is definitely, there was a deep attachment to accomplishments, specifically on the sports field or academically. And that's something that I have in my adulthood had to work through as like a type A high-performing anxious person that's always trying to be the best. And in my 30s, honestly, like the past two years, I've really come to terms with like, I don't want to be the best. I like not being the best. I want to be good and I want to like work hard and I want to accomplish things, but I don't actually want to be the best. And this is something that I am trying to be conscious about, as is my husband with our son when he's doing things of like, there is that weird line where it's like, I'm so proud of you. Way to go. And then it's like, when you don't do it, way to try. Like we have, for instance, okay, we have this little thing in our basement that's like a plank thingy. I don't even know. You know, you can climb up of it. Like it's a, mm-hmm. one of those things that toddlers have. I know exactly what you're okay. talking about. And he's he's really just like less physical. Like he's always been, a li- he walked, he crawled late. He walked late. He's just not the most like physical kid. He's not- he's busy chatting. He's busy chit-chatting. But like if you take him to a park, he's not the one like running around doing crazy shit, jumping off of things, which is kind of a blessing for yeah. me. because Especially if you feel anxious. Yeah, I'm like, I never have to worry about him. He's always just by my side ch- talking to me. But <laughs> it's interesting, like when he climbs up this thing, the other day we were all standing in the basement we turn around and all of a sudden he's climbed it. And we were like, Liam! Like, because it was the first time he's done it. And it was so interesting to just- watch him have the confidence and the wherewithal to go do it on his own. We were honestly just both shocked. But then I was like, shit, I don't want him to think that that's how we get excited. And that's how the only reason we're proud of him, which I don't think he would think, but I don't know. It's fucking confusing. It is confusing. And I think that's a moment where if let's say you were like, woohoo, you're the best, you did it. And then you're like, oh, wait, hold on. Is he going to feel that? Blah, blah, blah. Then you think of that as one of the little missteps that gave him, you know, that you can repair and the repair is more, even though it's not, but those are those moments where it's, that's exactly what we need to do is as we're, cause you were born as a parent two years ago, right? So it's still fresh. You're two, you're a toddler mom. (laughs) And 
So you're going to like wobble a little mm -hmm. bit. And in that moment, you get to say, what keeps me steady? And in that moment, you were wondering that question, which is a great question. And that is what is, you know, that is paying attention. That's that's the thing about parenting that makes you an awesome mom. Not whether you said the right thing or didn't, but that you noticed. Thank you. So, but I can speak to that a little bit if yeah, you want. I would love to. There is research on kind of praise and focusing on the outcome instead of the mm -hmm. process and all that stuff. But essentially, the big picture message is anytime you're going to support your child and praise them for something, if you can have in your mind, and again, assuming that you'll do this some of the time. <laughs> but One out of ten. Yeah. Like my mom clapped so much for me that when I got to preschool, she said that every time I did anything, I would turn around looking, the teacher told her, looking for. <laughs> no, but that's very true. I actually have a very good friend that she says all the time, like my parents praised me so much that like I really struggle as an adult because yeah. I feel like no one praises me, like in her relationship. She's like, why don't you praise me? Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, get on your fucking knees and tell me how amazing I am. And yeah. it's, it's interesting because then I, we have different things where both of our parents thought they were doing the right thing. It's of just, course. it's all impacts us differently. Well, I think with praise, the thing to think about, and the only reason to, to have an awareness about it is to adjust some of the time. And what it is is imagining that when you praise, if it's about the accomplishment, then what does that say about the process leading up to the accomplishment? And what does that say about what you should focus on as a person? Like, mm -hmm. is the struggle the part that you should focus on? Is it is that the thing that's like laid out in the water of your household? Or is it the like getting the A? getting to the top. And if it's the getting to the top, if you don't think you're going to be stellar, it's very hard to even try. So you get a lot of perfectionists from that. So you might recognize that. Like, Me. like right, yeah. like you'll do, and this is, this is much more prevalent in women, not saying exclusively, but it is more prevalent in women where you're like, I will A game the following five things I won't even try that because right, I'm not, not going to get a C. Gonna like, succeed. what do I need a C for? Mm -hmm. So you almost, and a B even is like, and not that the world is in grades, but let's just talk in mm -hmm. grades. because No, you're speaking my language. A B is an F, yeah. right? So for a perfectionist. But the problem with it is it's like the secret pain of a perfectionist is that you there's a whole world of things you can't do mm -hmm. because you're like, I don't want anybody to see this. I don't I don't want this to be a fail and it it's hard. So you're missing out on what could be so much joy because it's just like too painful to not be the best. Can I also say because this is really speaking my past language, it also stops you from trying new things that can simply just be hobbies. Just fun. Like just literal activities because you're so wired for everything to be this successful task. Yes. And I've noticed that with myself, even when it gets to work, like I really struggle with doing things for the fun of it because my hyper competitive internal voice is like, but it has to be really good and I have to do the best. And if I'm not going to do the best, then I shouldn't do it. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I just think that you miss out on so many you miss opportunities. Out on so much. And you know, I was just I noticed so many people saying things like, "Well, I'm not going to have her do that cuz she's not going to be good at it." Or so we do it as parents too. Like I can tell, I actually did this. I remember my youngest wanted to try out for SAB when she was in second What's grade. That? It's the School of American Ballet. Okay. And I was like in my head, I'm like girl is not getting into School of American Ballet. Like she had never touched her toes. She did not have natural turnout. She did not have an arched foot. Like there was nothing that was going to happen. Yeah. And so I had a moment where I said to my mom, I was like, I mean, what is the point? And my mother was like, you have told me since these kids were born process, not outcome, and blah, 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 blah. And now you're like, why bother? She's going to 
she's she's not going to get in. So I brought, because I was almost, it was just too painful to think because I danced when I was little. And the idea of the rejection she would experience. Right. Part of you wants to just protect her I just want to protect that. her, even though from a developmental perspective, nothing is more of an opportunity than trying something, not getting mm -hmm. it and seeing that you survived, right? Yeah. Like that's how you avoid the perfectionism trap. And so, but I needed, I needed that perspective, even though it was something that I might tell other people, because when you're in it, mm -hmm. you just can't. It's different. But for kids to feel that I mean, I have so many stories, story after story of kids who go through these experiences of feeling like their massive achievements were really in the service of pleasing their parents, mm -hmm. even though they almost bought it during because they got so into it. And then it leaves you with this empty feeling of like, who am I doing this for? Absolutely. And, and is my love conditional? Yes. But how do we celebrate the process as parents to make sure that that's not how a child feels in their more adult or later child stage? Well, one very common recommendation is like using art as an example. When your little little toddler comes over to you to show you a picture that they drew. Mm -hmm. Drew is a yeah, loose. He's like eating crayons. Yeah, exactly. As I hand them as, yeah. So maybe it's a year. But no, maybe but he does three. draw. We have a whole freaking draws. He's very into it. And like... He'll scribble around. Yeah. Right. So they show you a dot on a page and you're like, oh, you have two choices or three mm -hmm. choices. But usually parents are like, oh, my goodness, look at that. You made this beautiful picture for me. It's gorgeous. Let's put it up. OK. Mine goes in the trash. <laughs> I'm like, thank you so much. Thank you so much. But the other option is to say, oh, tell me about that. Ooh, OK. Or, oh, I see there's a line here. So you're just making an observation. Mm -hmm. And so it stops feeling like everything your child does for them is waiting for your approval, disapproval, or grade. So it's like, I'm just, I'm making an observation instead of I'm making a judgment, almost like actually saying to yourself, I'm a witness, not a judge. And you just practice. And again, you, some of the time you're going to be like, this is Picasso. And other times you're going to throw it out. But every once in a while, if you can remember to be the witness, not the judge, same with sports practice. Like, mm -hmm. okay, what today felt like compared to yesterday, you really felt stronger about? Or can you tell I'm not an athlete? <laughs> I, I watched even. you like kind of like tiptoe around. I'm like, like, what, what do would I say do? at practice? <laughs> I couldn't. Yeah. I, my like, college, what drills did you do today? Yes, what How drills did you do? How, what, what are, How did you feel you played? Yeah, like, just okay? like things like that. Ask questions and, oh, I noticed that you kept going. You fell. You hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. and But it wasn't. You weren't broken. And yeah. so you were able to get up. And, and having the capacity to just notice those things like, oh, when do I listen to my body? How did my body feel? Am I pushing myself enough that I'm stretching or am I pushing myself so much that I'm breaking? Those are the things that we want to pay attention to to grow and celebrate our own capacity to do that. And that those kinds of observations help kids develop process, not outcome. You know, when they criticize themselves instead of, you know, if they say like, I'm not good at this, the, there's a very, there's the word yet is very very important in the literature on growth mindset because the growth mindset kids are the kids who believe that they, you know, things can get better. Mm -hmm. And the fixed mindset is I'm a math person. I'm a sports person. I'm a this, and there's nothing you can do about it. So for the growth mindset research, adding the word yet can really help kids. So they say, I can't draw this dog yet instead of, yes, you can. It's amazing. Right. I like that. When summer rolls around, there are many things that I look forward to. Days spent on the beach, weekends filled with family time, as much grilled food as one can possibly eat, lots of time outdoors, and of course, swapping out my Brooklinen sheets for my summer go-to fabric, their Luxe Sateen. I am a huge fan 
of their heathered cashmere sheets. But as soon as the temperatures drop, it is time for me, a very hot sleeper, to switch over to some cooler sheets. I say this often, but there is no better sleep than the post-beach nap after spending the day in the sun and covered in sand, coming home, taking a cold shower, putting on your Brooklyn robe, and wrapping yourself up in your sheets to rest before dinner time. Like truly, no nap competes. It is the nap, and it is made even better with Brooklinen. Brooklinen is the perfect way to build your own indoor oasis to escape the heat. The options are endless, so do yourself the favor of simplifying your shopping by bundling bed, bath, and both. You can save time and up to 25% when bundling your new favorite home essentials. I love their super plush towels as it feels like I'm being wrapped up in a cloud. And if you follow me on social, you already know this, but I live in their checkered robe. I swear it's the best robe in the market. And if you were someone who is pregnant or newly postpartum, it's a necessity. Ever since mine arrived, it has been all that I live in. I love the design, but most importantly, I love that the sleeves like aren't too long, so they're not getting in the way of whatever I'm doing with my hands. The length is perfect, so I don't feel claustrophobic. And the fabric is the like perfect in-between weight where I'm not overheating and experiencing that post-shower sweat. Can you tell that I'm like very particular about my robes and get overstimulated by clothing and heat easily? Trust me, you want to try their products. So shop in stores or online at brooklinen.com today to give yourself the cooling sleep you deserve this summer. Use promo code CAM for $20 off your online purchase of $100 or more, plus free shipping on brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N dot C-O-M. Use promo code CAM for $20 off plus free shipping. There is a new product in our household that has become quite popular. Between my husband, our sitter, and friends visiting, they all have become familiar and fans of eBoost. eBoost creates products that help you take on the day wherever the day takes you. Their most popular product, Superfuel, is a sparkling natural energy drink crafted with plant-based caffeine and fortified with vitamins, minerals, nootropics, electrolytes, and antioxidants. eBoost is so confident that you're going to love Superfuel that they are giving you a four-pack for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Take advantage of this offer today and go to eboost.com slash Cameron to get your free four pack of Superfuel. While I love anything that helps support my energy and focus, I personally cannot enjoy eBoost right now because I'm pregnant, but Joe and our sitter have been enjoying them and have had a ton of positive things to say. The Superfuel cans come in four flavors, orange mango, strawberry lemonade, ginger lime, and blue raspberry, providing an option for everyone's taste buds. I did, of course, take sips of each, and they are all freaking delicious. The Ibu Superfuel drinks are perfect for everyday energy, late nights, work sessions, jet lag, and red eyes, or that daily 3 p.m. slump. Plus, it is low in sugar and has no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. While most other energy products use synthetic caffeine, eBoost products are made with natural plant-based caffeine that comes from green coffee seed and green tea, which helps with more sustained energy without the high and low that usually comes with most energy drinks. With this current offer eBoost is giving my listener, there is really no reason not to try. eBoost is so confident that you're going to love Superfuel that they are giving you a four-pack for free. All you have to do is pay for shipping. Take advantage of this offer today and go to eBoost.com Cameron to get your free four-pack of Superfuel. Something else that my husband and I talk a lot about and I think about all the time is it's so interesting and difficult, quite honestly, to not project your own interests and hobbies onto your children. And we've been really trying to make a conscious effort about this. So my husband and I are both athletes our entire lives. We both played in college. Like Dying to know which sports. I played lacrosse. I played soccer and lacrosse my entire life. And then I played lacrosse in college. That maps. My husband played (laughs) basketball and football, but he played basketball in college. So... I can't believe I just said football, but I feel like he would get mad if I didn't say it. Technically his career ended with thumb surgery, like in high school, whatever. But he's gonna be listening to this like, what? Just say I play basketball. (laughs) Anyway, we both were hyper competitive athletes our entire lives. And like competitive people is putting it lightly. I've definitely, we both calmed down a bit, but it's one, the projections that other people put on our child, I notice all the yeah, time. They're good. He's going to be an athlete He's gonna because be an athlete. you are. Everyone, like my friends, my family, everyone's always like, does it kill you that like Liam loves to read and do all stuff? I'm like, no, <laughs> it, it really doesn't. Like what? Like I, I, I want him to do whatever he wants to be interested in. And I really deeply, passionately feel about that. If you'd asked me five years ago, no, I would have been like, of course my child has to be an athlete. But now that he's on this earth, I don't care what the hell he wants to do as long as he's happy. And 
that's one thing, the projections of others that I'm very protective over of him because I don't want him growing up feeling like he has to be this type of person. But secondly, it's confusing where, you know, we're signing him up for activities now and we sign him up for soccer. Like those are things that I naturally, I am inclined as the mom who's primarily taking him to these things. Like I'd want to do that. And we do swim class and all this stuff. But then I'm also like, we need to make sure he's in some form of art class and I want to take him to a music class and he lives in the library. He, the kid's a freaking bookworm. He was a bookworm for Halloween. It was a really cute outfit. That's I'll show cute. it to you. And like, that was something where I was very much like, okay, for Halloween, it's not about my interests, which he's, he was one and a few months <laughs> at the time. Like I need to calm down. But I'm like, what does he love? His favorite things are books, hands down. So I made this bookworm costume and I'm really consciously trying to not push my interests onto him, but it's hard from the inevitable standpoint of like what you as a parent care more about. It's, I don't know. Well, I mean, he's so young. You could sign him up for everything and right. just see what sticks, right? Like he, that's what we're doing. It's you know, and, expensive. And, and play with him in the ways that are fun for you. And at some point he's going to say, that's not for me. Yeah. He's not there now because now he's just like, whatever, I'm a toddler. Mm-hmm. Get, we'll, we'll just go wherever. Yeah, he's <laughs> like taken. one week, he's obsessed with this tunnel. The next week, all he wants to do is play soccer. Yeah, the he's next exploring. week, it's his baby doll. Yeah. So I think that that's separate. And it's very natural for you to want to kick a soccer ball with him because you kicked soccer balls mm-hmm. and like that's fun for you. And over time, I think the, the problem would be if you were invested in it. Yeah. I want you to... I, I think knowing your intention, like, hey, I'm going to do this because it's fun for me and I'm hoping it's fun for you. And if it's not, we don't need to do it anymore. But it's about and and that's not to say that kids shouldn't be doing things that aren't always fun because being perfect, you have to do things you don't want to do all the time and you have to have the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. But it's different than you having a deep investment. And that's the work for us. It's just like, what is my investment in this? versus, of course, like, these are the things that I can do. So this is what we're going to do. I I think there's no question that the kids who have parents who are athletic, who take them outside to practice, are more likely to get involved in sports. Yeah, I mean, both my parents played lacrosse in college. Yeah, like, like it makes sense. Just... And that's not an imposition. If, if you're conscientious about noticing if he's doing it for you or doing it for him. And that's all. Okay. Also, can we go back quickly on the potty training situation? (laughs) Because I feel like we're getting close to that happening. Yeah. What do I even do? Well, (laughs) like, okay. It's a very sexy topic. Yeah, I'm so excited. (laughs) So somewhere you, so Potty training typically occurs between 22 and 36 months. Mm -hmm. And you can speed it up if you want. You could try to speed it up. People do all the time. But really, if your child isn't ready, it'll just take them longer. So you want to pay attention to signs that he's ready. What would that be? Things like, is his diaper dry two or more hours during the day? Nighttime, don't worry about. Is his diaper dry two or more hours during the day? Okay, that's a good sign. Because if you have to take him to the bathroom every hour, and what's the point? And is he interested? Like, is he paying attention when you guys are going yeah, to the Yeah, mommy pee, mommy poop. Yeah. He just always thinks I'm pooping. Does he have the language for it? The answer is yes. Yeah. And does he sort of have capacity to sit on a potty? We haven't or, tried that yet. And it could be a, you know, a I don't want to say a brand that I'm not supposed to, but it could be a, oh, I don't care. a potty that is made for little people on yeah. the floor. I probably need to get one of those. You can get one of those. I would start with that to have because then you can know if he's interested because he'll try and sit on it while you're going to the bathroom. And the other thing is, obviously, both of you need to go to the bathroom with him and in front of him and wiping in front of him and flushing the toilet in front of him, all those things, which it looks like you could do. Yeah. He's always with me. You look like the kind of person that's doing that. No, I'm trying to take a morning poop and he's like playing me a freaking song on his guitar sitting on the ground. Like I post these photos on my Instagram story all the time. I'm like, what is going to the bathroom as a mom? My dog is in here like trying to get on my lap and he's playing the guitar at my feet. I, I have a high schooler and a seventh grader and they walk into my bathroom 
at least once a week while I'm changing, going to the bathroom, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they say to me like, oh, like, I don't want to be here. My dad, if he listens to this, is literally he's like, he hates, I'm always barging into their room. I'm doing whatever. <laughs> I just walk in. I'm like, oh my God. He's like, you're li- right. you're in my right. space. I chain, I'm changing. And my daughters are like, put some clothes on. And I'm like, okay, so yeah. I'm in my room. And if you would like to wait for me to come out of my room or I can lock my door. But anyway, I think the first thing to do is to get some kind of little potty so mm-hmm. that he can just get to know it. And you, if you can spring for it, put it in every room, every bathroom, just because okay. it makes your life easier. And then if you notice that he's dry and up for it, you decide, do you want to do this in a rip the bandaid off kind of way? Or do you want to do this in a sort of slower, every couple of weeks you change it? Like thinking of a, a pie, you do another slice of the pie until you get to the whole pie is finished, which is going to the bathroom. So you decide that. And then once you decide that, you decide if you believe in rewards or not. I would put that in the bucket of who cares if your child wants a sticker when they're 90, if they're taking a shit. Like the idea that people have imposed on parents that like they have to be internally motivated and all of that stuff because the reward will make them feel like you care about their achievements. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm like, we have done a We've disservice to parents. He's honestly not that reward driven. I've never like tried to give him a reward, but so he just doesn't seem to care. Like he's not going to care. Well, he's very little, yeah. but you could, so you could decide we don't need to worry about that. You could just decide that you're going to say to him, you know what? Let's try using the potty. Yeah. Every time you have to go to the bathroom, you just say pee pee and we'll go over there and you'll pee on the potty. Mm-hmm. But if he's like, no thanks, <laughs> then you can start using a little reward for okay. it and low investment on your part. So it's not like you did it. You peed in the potty. Woohoo, party. It's just like, all right, you know, mm-hmm. so a little bit like. Like a cat, not a dog. Yeah. And then... Um, cat, not a dog. <laughs> and then every time when you're ready to take the diaper off, because you when you do behave, what's called behavior shaping, which I absolutely don't recommend for most things, because it's like very much treating kids like monkeys. <laughs> but we have to for this. But it works really well. Yeah. Right? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Like it's just time saving. <laughs> yeah. So you would say, so your first goal is just letting you know that they have to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. If they can't let you know they have to go to the bathroom, you're not they're not ready to potty train. Yeah. We kind he kind of does for pooping, but like we're nowhere near that stage for pee. Okay. So, when he does for pooping, you can just say, "Thank you for letting me know." And that way it's reinforced that mm-hmm. you must really like when he lets you know. And then when same with peeing, he's peeing, you could just say, "Let me know when you have to pee." And if he is into the rewards thing, that's when you would offer okay. the reward. Every time you let me know that you have to pee, you get like a sticker. Then the next step is, okay, you let me know. Now we go to the bathroom. So you stand in the bathroom in your diaper and pee and you're getting your little sticker. And then the next phase is you're sitting on the potty. And then the next phase is taking off the diaper. So that's the slow version. And the fast version is, you know what? You are so ready to go pee-pee in the potty, no more diapers. We'll take them off. And you just give them lots of liquids and every, you know, and you say, let me know when you have to pee. You don't ask them if they have to go to the bathroom because when you ask the he answer. He says yes to everything. Exactly. It's, like, not, yes, it's not yes. a meaningful yeah. ask. It's like, and so you just say, or you say, let's go, let's go to the potty now. And you both sit, whatever. Turning water on helps. Mm-hmm. Dipping their feet, like an easy experience of peeing for the first time can be dipping his feet in the bath and then sitting right on the potty because it's just the water just kind of makes you have to go to the bathroom. Okay. And then that's it. Wait, can I ask a really dumb question? Yes. Do boys sit, sit or stand? Yeah. They usually start with sitting okay. because it's really hard to aim. Yeah, so I for your sanity, you might yeah. want to, and then you just tuck his little penis mm-hmm. in there and show him how to do that. And that's that. However, if you 
want him to stand, then you can put like Cheerios. Like you, right, you like put like aiming, and aim. we're gonna do the whole sit thing. But it's it's a big, you know, yeah. it's just kind of a pain. One task at a time. The the only thing is like because he watches his dad go to the mm. bathroom, he might want to stand, which is totally fine. But then you just you know, yeah. It's it's it messy like a for lot a few to minutes. bite off. I know. I think it's a lot to bite off, but I have daughters, so okay. So I feel well equipped now. Honestly, it's really just one of those things. And then the praise. This is an opportunity where praise is no big deal. Okay, where you just say like you you do that observation thing, like you peed in the potty. As a mother of older children, mm-hmm. what do you find has been the most difficult thing parenting older kids? Before I answer that, I have to also tell you that if he doesn't like potty training, oh, yeah. <laughs> don't fight it. There's only two things you should not ever bother with in life. Forcing someone to take a poop or eat something. Those two things are not in your control. Like mm-hmm. what goes in your body and out of your body is only yours to control. So the minute a parent tries to control that, that is like a, you're gonna, they're going to lock it all up. <laughs> Okay. So. This shit isn't going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's just a recipe for a okay, battle that, is, that you'll lose. Yeah. So you just say, okay, we'll try it again next week or whatever. Mm-hmm. The question is what... What do you think is the hardest thing about parenting like this age range? Not like playing it a little cooler. <laughs> like the cat dog thing. I'm a real dog. Like my tail wags when I'm feeling excited. And with teenagers... They know when you have an agenda. They know that you can't, you can't, you have to come in with curiosity with them, Mm -hmm. with not lessons. Lessons are just like so annoying. (laughs) So really kind of playing it cool is a little challenging for me and not wanting to teach a lesson every time they tell me a story about something that happened at school Mm -hmm. and not taking things personally. I mean... It is not flattering to have two teenage daughters. Like it does, it's not oh, an it's ego not boost. Good for your ego. <laughs> yeah. I can speak from the experience of being not being the, nice. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, oh, tell me more, girls. Tell me more about how amazing my outfit and skin look. <laughs> my mom, yeah, she's like constantly being like, it, would it hurt you to tell me you liked what I'm wearing? Yeah. Would it's, it not, it's not so hard. But it's so interesting to say to my mom all the time. I'm like, do you hear yourself talking about your mom? Right. Like it's an ongoing joke in our family. Yeah. Well, that's the whole, I mean, modeling is like, Mm -hmm. it's talent. It's, it's the best teacher. So yeah. So I would say that's the hardest part. You have to have a really good sense of self by the time you have teenagers. (laughs) I'm so scared. (laughs) So scared. But it is the coolest time. I will say it gets such a bad rap. I love it so much. I just find it like, a surprise because I knew I was going to love little ones because I've, I mean, I went into a field mm-hmm. that is focused more on littles, but teenagers are just not as, they're kind of amazing. It's good to hear. It's encouraging. Yeah. It's not what we hear from most people. I know. They're amazing <laughs> as long as you have curiosity, not lessons constantly, and you don't take things as personally as it feels. <laughs> I think honestly what I'm most nervous for is not necessarily my children, but like the other teens I'm going to have to deal with. Like right. the drama, yeah, the fights, the bullying, the people, like all of that. That's, yeah. That's my face right now because I'm like, in, I'm thinking about the very recent experiences that I've had it's where a, I'm just like, like I don't come on. Deal with that. I think that that is the biggest challenge is like, when other people's kids are doing something and you're just like, why, why is that? Why is that allowed? I'm like, where are your parents? Where are your parents? But, you know, people are wildly different in their approaches. And one of the most incredible things that I witness all the time is how confident people are (laughs) in their wildly different approaches. Cause you're just like, God, as good as I feel about my decision-making you feel about the your same decision way. I think about this all the time. It's in like different incredible. opinions on everything. I'm like, somehow they think they're right. I don't get it. It's, it's so when but you- But I'm like, I feel the same way. But so. you feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. And so you have to imagine like, okay, 
I could just bag on them to my kids and just get really pissy about it. Or I could teach my kids that other people deeply believe a perspective that they have in the same way that we do. Anyway, this was great. (laughs) I feel like a champion. No, I really feel like this was so helpful. I'm so glad that you feel good about your, I want you to feel good about your parents. Oh, you know, not to be annoying. Like I doubt myself on so much and I can be really critical of myself. I think I'm an amazing mom. That's, and I love hearing that. I know people don't like to say that and some people will project their own shit onto me saying that, but it's a thing I am most confident doing hands down. That's beautiful. And it makes me really happy. For people who are listening who want more of you, where can they support you? I have a podcast called Raising Good Humans. It's great. I listen to it. Thank you. And I have a newsletter on Substack called Raising Good Humans <laughs> with Dr. Lisa Pressman. Or maybe it's drlisapressman.substack.com, actually. I'll find it and I'll Whatever. Like it. Don't worry, I got you. Um, and I have a book coming out. Exciting. But it's not, I say this with the deep belief that if a book is not anything but more shit to do, I don't want anybody to, like, I want it there as a resource. You're really good at promoting your book. <laughs> I know. By the way, my publishers are like, could you Stop find a new spin? <laughs> are you going to do an audiobook? Are you going to read it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because I only listen to, I I read smutty YA romance novels. Like they have really? to be like porn. Yeah. I like read spicy shit at night. People are so interesting. But I will listen to like self-help, those types of if books. If it's by the. Yeah. It has to be by the author. So I do audiobook for all of that kind of stuff. It's oh. like an, a long podcast, long form. Yeah. It's a long form podcast. Yeah. So I'm excited to listen. But it's definitely. <laughs> my pitch is don't listen if it's going to make you feel stressed. Okay. I'll start it. <laughs> and then and I can't promise I'll finish. Right. There you go. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was great. I had so much fun chatting with you. Me too. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I have so much fun recording the show. It is my favorite part of my job and truly is what lights me up. Your feedback and response to every episode is what keeps me going. And if this episode resonated with you, please feel free to DM me over on Instagram or share on your stories. If you are looking for a way to support the show, please rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. It means the world to me and it really helps the show grow. Please also make sure to hit subscribe so that you are up to date with new episodes coming at you every Wednesday morning. And of course, please be sure to follow me on Instagram and TikTok at at Cameron Oaks Rogers. I love you and I appreciate your support so much. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.